Here we go. Finally, game week is here. We have a Stanford football game to break down, and we are certainly glad that you are here with us on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Presented by the Believe Podcast Network, Thursday, November 5th, 2020. So glad that you're here. And finally, we are in game week mode. A lot of things to cover, a lot of things to do. Later on in the show, we will catch up with the radio play-by-play voice of the Stanford Cardinal for football and men's basketball, Scott Reese, one of my good friends. Looking forward to chatting all things Cardinal ball with him coming up in a few moments. You're also going to hear from Stanford head coach David Shaw. A little bit from Stanford quarterback Davis Mills and Stanford inside linebacker Curtis Robinson. We have a lot to bring you here on this episode of the TreeCast. So just keep the earbuds in, hang out, and enjoy the next few minutes or so. If you're new to the show, welcome in. If you're not, welcome back. Either way, make this show a habit. We're going to come at you twice a week here on the Believe Podcast Network for the remainder of the regular season. We'll generally come at you on Thursdays and on Sundays. Thursdays to break down the game and then on Sundays uh, to review and recap and go through what we learned. You might be asking yourself who I am. That's cool. I'm Troy Clarity, 28th season now following Stanford football and Stanford sports. Also a play-by-play announcer across six sports for the Pac-12 Network. And super glad to be back breaking down games for the TreeCast, which is in his fifth year overall. And currently with the Believe Podcast Network, joined those guys in February. Good timing on our part. If you stuck with us through the summer, we had some fantastic interviews along the way. And uh, now that we are in game mode, Looking forward to switching over to that side of things. So we're going to have a lot of fun uh, coming up throughout the remainder of the season. And it begins this Saturday, a 4.44 p.m. kickoff Pacific time, Stanford at Oregon on ABC. The Ducks, a 10-point favorite over Stanford, if you're into that sort of thing. And if you are, a reminder that you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. One thing that we generally do whenever we start up a tree cast is to give you three things that you need to know. The top three things you need to know around Stanford football right now begin with number one. And it is game week. We're finally here. And after Stanford went four and eight last year and had a whole lot of positive streaks broken, including a uh, bowl streak uh, that was quite long, stretched over a decade for Stanford. 49 weeks later, here we are as the Cardinals get ready to face an opponent that isn't themselves. Quarterback Davis Mills for Stanford, very happy to be back in game week mode. Definitely exciting, finally getting to look at some tape of other teams rather than just self-evaluating ourselves from our practices. I mean, we've waited a really long time for this. Kind of how we've done Zoom throughout the offseason and these early practices at camp kind of allowed us to hit the ground running. So, I mean, the platform on Zoom has worked out and also I mean everyone's just excited to get their mind focused on another team so that's exciting yeah Davis isn't the most excitable guy out there but trust me he's excited and he should be fired up he's the unquestioned quarterback QB1 after fighting through injuries and becoming Stanford's leading passer last year while uh, getting uh, six starts in uh, the stead of KJ Costello he's got wide receivers who can do just about anything in any type of situation. This is by far the deepest wide receiver core that Stanford has perhaps ever had. And you're going to get to know these guys if you don't know them already. Michael Wilson, Connor Weddington, Simi Fajoko, Osiris St. Brown, Bryson Tremaine, a bunch of other guys in the mix as well. With youngsters like John Humphreys, who potentially could be in the mix. Caleb Bowman too. Running backs, a lot to like there. And an offensive line that has grown. Stanford has the tools to be as diversified in offense as there is. I'm looking forward to seeing how the coaching staff uses those tools to the fullest. So offensively, a lot to like about Stanford heading into the 2020 season. How about the other side of the ball? Let's go over to number two. 
And Stanford struggled defensively last year at times mightily. The numbers, not good. Stanford allowed over 31 points per game last year. That was still just seventh in the Pac-12. That kind of surprised me a bit, but it's also still more than eight points per game than the Cardinal allowed in 2018. That's not good, neither is this. Stanford allowed 40 plus points in four games last year. Stanford led the Pac-12 in scoring defense four times last decade, so a sizable drop-off from 2010 to 2018, and what happened with Stanford's defense in 2019. They were also 11th last year in the Pac-12 in interceptions, a reminder that the Pac-12 is a 12-team league, and tied for last in fumbles recovered with only four. Cardinal looking to change all of that this year by being more physical and getting more takeaways. Stanford inside linebacker Curtis Robinson tells us more. Takeaways for sure has been the main emphasis. You know, we see guys running for loose balls, even on incomplete passes, trying to scoop it, fighting over the ball, um, punching for balls even after the whistle's been blown. I mean, that's that's the type of habits that we've had to form and we think we think will you know, take us to the next level as a defense. And then as far as physicality, we've done everything that we can with the, the reps that we've gotten to, you know, increase our physicality both in the run game and in the pass game, legally, obviously. But I think that we made a lot of progress. I think guys are in tune with the tackling, in tune with the takeaways. And I think that we're starting to get a better understanding um, that those takeaways and those aspects of defense are what's going to potentially win games for us. Yeah, and make no mistake, tackling has been an issue throughout college football this uh, all of this year as you watch the entirety of the product that we've seen so far uh tackling has been a problem and stanford is hoping to buck that trend defense was young and inexperienced last year but this year many of those guys are back with experience however there are two of them that you will not see on saturday which brings me to number three <laughs> And the injury report was an unfortunate staple of TreeCast last year, and it makes its debut this season with two of Stanford's impact defensive players taking top billing. David Shaw, the Stanford head coach, with the bad news. These guys are, are unlikely for this weekend unless something drastically changes, but most likely um, out for Oregon. Um, that is uh, Gabe Reed. Um, Caillou Kelly. Yeah, losing Gabe Reed is tough since he's one of Stanford's best outside uh, returning pass rushers. Thunder Keck, who just won a scholarship last week, gets the start there, there but expect a pretty heavy rotation at that, at that particular outside linebacker spot. But no Caillou Blue Kelly. Oh, that, that especially stings. As most of you know, Paul Snadebo, Stanford's award-winning cornerback from last year, chose to opt out this season and prepare for the NFL draft probably rightfully so for him. I asked David Shaw how Caillou Blue Kelly's injury affects who plays corner this Saturday in Eugene. We had planned on playing multiple guys. Um, anyway, um, this kind of changes that quite a bit. Um, we'll see who we put out there first, but we anticipate um, possibly playing three or four corners throughout the course of the day. Um, and in particular, if you look at our nickel packages and rotating guys in, um, to keep everybody fresh, but at the same time, we got some guys that have practiced really well that deserve the right to play. Um, they've earned the right to get on the field, so I'm um, excited about those guys, some of those guys getting their first real live action. Yeah, David Shaw says he hopes to announce who gets the uh, cornerback starting spot opposite of Ethan Bonner uh, before game time. So at this point, as I say this, we do not know who's starting opposite Ethan Bonner. By the time you hear this, we might have that information. I would imagine that Zaron Manley and Salim Turner-Muhammad will be the top candidates there. And I'm not ruling out Jonathan McGill there either. McGill did some pretty nifty things as a freshman in the nickelback spot last year. So I'm not necessarily ruling out seeing McGill potentially um, in that cornerback spot as well. By the way, some long-term injuries for Stanford, including running back Dorian Maddox, cornerback Nick Toomer, and inside linebackers Tristan Sinclair and Jacob mangum Farrar. Those guys are already feared to be lost for the season. Nothing official there yet. And Mangum Ferrara is particularly a tough loss because uh, he uh, was expected to have one of the inside uh, starting, uh, potentially one of the inside starting linebacker spots, or at least be at the top of the rotation at the uh, inside uh, linebacker spots, along with Curtis Robinson and Ricky Miazon. Those two will get the start. But not off to a good start injury-wise for Stanford already. Hopefully things improve on that front from here because we certainly saw last year in particular how injuries can derail a season. Those are three things. 
Yeah, a couple of tidbits from uh, David Shaw coming up in a few moments, and then after that, we will catch up with the radio play-by-play voice of the Stanford Cardinal, my man Scott Reese. But before we go any further, um, I, I have a confession to make. Uh, I, I got to be real with y'all here, because uh, when it comes to Stanford football in 2020, I have no idea what's going to happen. None. Usually, I have a pretty decent idea of what Stanford is going to do going into any given year. And usually, what ends up happening usually ends up falling within my range of parameters on on possibilities for Stanford football this year. This year, I don't know. I don't know. My initial impression is that the offense could be fantastic, while the defense might have to white-knuckle its way through games. But who knows? Who knows? I don't have a clue. And... It's not just because I haven't seen these guys. Look, practices are closed to the media. Normally, a couple of open practices during camp, so you get a chance to maybe get a brief glimpse of things and see some things with your own eyes. This year, this training camp, that was not an option for obvious reasons. And practices are closed to the media anyway. So, look, I'd love to keep my eye on things and see what's happening during practice. I'm not invited. So this Saturday will be my first time seeing this team. And even then, it's going to be on TV and not with my own eyes. So it's not just because I haven't seen these guys with my own eyes that I really have no idea uh, what to think about this year, but also because all the stuff that surrounded this season, things that, that I don't need to get into, we are trying to get through this season in the middle of a global pandemic. There is that. Plus all sorts of other things on and off the field this college football season. So uh, unless and, and, and unless Stanford beats Oregon 63-0 this week, unlikely as that is, but I can dream, I'm still not sure how many more answers I'm going to have by the close of business on Saturday. I'm not the only one, by the way. David Shaw is in the same boat as I am. I asked him what he senses the team's biggest strength and biggest question mark on the field is, and here's how he started his response. Those are hard questions for me to answer until we play a real football game. And he later went on to do the youthful experience, which was nice, but but he's right. He's right. The way he started that answer was completely and totally spot on. And I've gotten that answer from him before in previous years, but it's especially true this year. There are just so many different variables and so many different possible outcomes. And that's just on the field. I think Stanford is helped by the fact that that it has known quantities at head coach, at offensive coordinator, quarterback, and offensive line. Oregon can't say that. Washington can't say that. And those respective programs are picked to go 1-2 in the North. Oregon's picked to win the whole conference right now. I have question marks about that. If things go right, though, Stanford should compete for a Pac-12 North title. There are some things to like here. But if things go wrong, Stanford could struggle perhaps mightily. And if things go really wrong, then Verona throws a monkey wrench into everything. And if you were with us throughout the summer when the season was very much in doubt, when a lot of things were very much in doubt, you know, I was very honest with you guys. I, I, I had my reservations and mixed feelings about trying to play this summer or trying to play this season during, during, during the middle of a, of, a, of a global pandemic, and I still have those reservations, and I still have those mixed feelings. Now, I feel better about how the Pac-12 has handled COVID-19 to this point, and I feel better about their capacity to keep things in check at least as much as, as, as it possibly can. I feel better about the Pac-12's overall approach to COVID-19 than I do about any of the other Power 5 conferences, but... I've, I've still got my reservations, and I've still got mixed feelings about this week. Nothing would make me happier than to see Stanford come out of the box with the offense just lighting up the scoreboard, the, the defense becoming the tree fence again, and the card going wire to wire and getting love for the college football playoff. I'd love nothing more than to see that develop for Stanford this fall. But this season for Stanford, and a lot of other teams too, but this season for the Cardinal could go pretty much like the entire year of 2020 has. Unpredictable and weird, and you just hope you get through it. I'm glad it's game week, and I'm glad the season's here. I hope the entire Pac-12 schedule goes off without a hitch. Starting on Saturday morning, bright and early, 9 a.m., Arizona State at USC. 
and that nary a positive test is to be found anywhere in the conference throughout the entirety of it all. But I'm coming into this season knowing nothing and expecting anything, quite frankly. I, I had to just get that <laughs> off my chest. But that being said, there, there are some things that I, I do feel relatively comfortable in projecting about what we could see from Stanford on the field for the remainder of the fall and stretching into December. Hard for me to call December the fall. If you're used to seeing Stanford's offense try to try to just road grade its opponents and, and maul them with the running game right from the start, if, if you if you just harken back to the days, if your indelible image of Stanford football is the Cardinal trotting out seven, eight offensive linemen and just bowling over everyone and just mashing people right from the start, then I, I suspect you're going to be surprised with this year's edition of Stanford's offense. Because back in, the, back in those days, Stanford's offensive strength was the offensive line and the running backs. Now that shifted. Stanford's offensive strength now is the quarterback and the wide receivers. So given that, I suspect Stanford will throw to score and then run to win. And at the end of games, Stanford's run-pass ratio might be balanced when you look at the stat sheet. But how the card achieved that balance could be very crucial. I've talked with David Shaw about this over the years. He revisited this during his weekly press conference on Tuesday afternoon, here were David Schott's thoughts on what offensive balance means for Stanford this year. Uh, I've said this before, and not everybody believes it, believes it, and that's okay. Um, we we earned a reputation around here um, for almost a decade, and a lot of the a lot of that was because we were playing playing games with leads. Um, but for the most part, when the game was in doubt, um, first and second down, we were balanced. We're balanced between run and pass, and as a head coach and an offensive guy uh, with an offensive background, that's what you love. You love to be able to run the ball with efficiency and the possibility of explosive plays. You want to be able to throw the ball with efficiency and the possibility of explosive plays. Um, uh, so uh, the mentality for us is not just to go in and run the ball every down. Um, the idea, though, is that we can be physical, that we can be efficient, that we can break some plays because of our scheme and our and our ability. Um, and have that be coordinated well with our um, drop back and play action and movement game. So the idea of hopefully all that all that coming together. Yeah, Stanford's offense was out of whack last year. There, there's no doubt about that. And I go back to that Washington State game where the Cardinal called 27 straight passing plays and Stanford running backs carried the rock only seven times in that entire game. Now, a lot of that was due to the scoreboard as the Cardinal were down pretty early, pretty big, pretty early in that game. They were able to fight back and, and make it a game before Washington State ran away and hid. But still, complete and total lack of balance for Stanford offensively for much of the year last year. And that was because of the youth and the lack of strength, those two things go hand in hand, and the lack of bodies on the offensive line. Given that, though, it's amazing. The offensive line last year probably still performed better than it should have, given everything. This year, the offensive line is bigger and stronger. I mean, would you rather Walker Little still be on the roster? Yes, but still. They're healthier to start the year. And I'm, wait, where's, hang on. I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on the microphone to, to, to hope it stays that way. The running backs are quicker. Big fan of Austin Jones. Love his wiggle. Nathaniel Pete, pretty dangerous too. So don't be surprised if Stanford throws to score at the beginning of games to get that lead, as David Shaw has liked to do when he has the personnel to do it, and then run to win. Then go to the physical running game, ideally from around the middle of the third quarter on. But if Stanford doesn't come out trying to, trying to pound the rock right at the start, especially this year, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. That might look strange to you. Then again, as mentioned, this is a pretty strange season for a lot of different reasons. One of them is the fact that there are no crowds allowed at Pac-12 games this year. At Stanford Stadium, <laughs> let's be honest, that might not be that big of a deal. But at Oxen Stadium, that's a major part of Oregon's home field advantage that won't apply this season, especially this Saturday. 
I asked David Shaw what it might be like when the card take the field in Eugene without 54,000 plus of Oregon football's closest friends in the building. There's part of me that is going to miss that. It's one thing going into that stadium. You, you love that, that feeling that you get, you know, they play, um, you know, Jack White and the White Stripes, you know, played that a couple times during pregame and during the game, uh, get you fired up and you hear the crowd, the fans. Um, but the other 80% of me uh, is excited that our quarterback will actually be able to communicate and um, uh, maybe be able to, to hear each other. Um, so I think that's a, that's a positive. Um, and at the same time, you know, I am going to miss that that atmosphere this entire year. Yeah, if you're going to have any season to uh, have to go up to Eugene for a ball game, this is the one. That applies to Seattle, too. And, oh, by the way, Stanford has to go up there first weekend in December. But no crowds at Oxen, that's a major check mark, I think, in Stanford's favor, potentially. With no crowds this year, I think the biggest factor in home field advantage in Pac-12 games this fall is going to be weather. By the way, last time I checked uh, the forecast for Eugene on Saturday, rain with a high of 51. Could that affect Stanford's passing game? Who knows? We'll see. But no crowds in the house. And that is a big big development, you know. David Shaw, you know, he he says he has mixed feelings, but if he had to choose between one or the other, I'm pretty sure he'd choose this scenario. He's thanking heavens that he won't have to worry about that crowd doing those things this week. Well, this week, as mentioned, is game week. Finally. How about that? Stanford versus Oregon. It is finally here. A lot of people very glad and very happy for those developments, including our special guest on this week's show, entering his eighth year as the radio play-by-play voice of Stanford football and Stanford men's basketball and an all-around good dude as well. My man, Scott Reese. Scott, thanks a bunch. Always appreciate the time. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Uh, I'll see if I can live up to that billing. <laughs> don't worry. You're good. You're good. You're cool. You're off, to, you're off to a good start, and I don't think there's any reason to, uh, to think it's going to go off track here. Um, look, a lot of unknowns even right now as we enter the 2020 season. This whole year has been about unknowns on and off the field. Um, when it comes to Stanford football, what knowns are you certain of with this squad right now? Boy, uh, that's a really good question. Uh, and, and I think it starts from the top. I think you know that this team will be well coached. I think you know that this team will be mentally engaged and prepared uh, for week one. Uh, I, I think that, you know, there's such a, it's such a cerebral group right inherently because it's Stanford and you know the kind of student athletes that you get and and that was actually a question I had for coach Shaw a month ago when you know we first learned that we were coming back was you know how do you sort of reconcile that cerebral nature and being so eminently aware of what's going on with COVID and the risks and and all the external factors with you know uh, some other teams that might just be out there being hey we're back let's play football and not really thinking about anything else and you know that these guys aren't that Um, So I I think that they all take solace in the fact that the school, the university, and the conference did it right. And they, there was so much due diligence done in getting us to this point that I think they'll be mentally where they need to be. Now, physically, we we will talk, I guess, about some of the specifics, but uh, I I feel real good about the offense. um, And I think that the defense has upside, but there are a lot of questions that we'll get answers to pretty quickly. Yeah, we'll we'll start to get those answers. We won't have all of them this week. I I don't think we will anyway, but we'll start to get those answers uh, starting in Eugene this Saturday. Now, flip it over. What's your biggest unknown with this team right now? Um, You know, I think it starts, unfortunately, the same place we ended last year, which is health. Um, And and that's, look, the disclaimer is it's nothing like what we saw a year ago at this point. Right. Uh, And even entering last season, even September of 19, we were like, how in the world do we have, you know, 12 guys in walking boots and we haven't even played a game yet. Right. It's not to that level. But, you know, I think the unknowns have to start with cornerback. Right. I mean, you lose Paulson Adebo and then all of a sudden Caillou Blue Kelly, who's supposed to be the guy who had such a good showing as a a true freshman, who was at least going to give you, okay, we're stable at that one spot. Don't have to worry about that. And now we do because, He's not available, at least for week one. So again, you got depth, which is great. You've got guys who on paper are talented and athletic, which is great. But 
untested, right? We just don't know. And Oregon is not the easiest team to be sort of thrown into the fire against when you're talking about, you know, cornerbacks who haven't played a lot of football. So I think, you know, there are unknowns on the defense. For me, it starts there. Um, and, and the other question I have, which hopefully will turn out to be a positive, is you know, what's the effect of all this weight gain, right? I mean, defensive line, offensive line, these guys bulked up. They are big, right? So, you know, hopefully this is all good weight. This all manifests itself in a great way. And you see sort of a return to that Stanford trademark physicality, right, that we need so badly. Um, but, you know, until we see it, it's an unknown, right? Everything's an unknown until you go out and play. You know, what, what's the effect of all this weight gain? A lot of people have been asking that, that very question over the last uh, eight, eight months or so. And, and I think what you just said kind of dovetails neatly into, into something else I wanted to chat with you about. The fact that Stanford is bigger and stronger than it was last year, hopefully faster too. Let's dive a little deeper into that. Where do you think we could possibly see that size and strength most when it comes to Stanford being bigger and stronger this, this year? Well, I mean, obviously you're talking about primarily in the trenches, right? I, I think, you know, the offensive line and on that side of the ball, some of it is just, well, look, you had to play so many true freshmen last year. And, you know, uh, that that's the norm is, is that from true freshman year to your sophomore year, you, you put on weight, you add muscle and pounds and you got a full year in the program with the strength and conditioning guys and everything else. So that sort of makes sense. And you hope that that will manifest itself as you would expect, which, you know, guys a little more powerful, you know, guys uh, stand on blocks a little bit longer, guys opening up bigger holes, protecting Davis Mills, whatever the case may be, you know, across the board. Defensively is what fascinates me because Thomas Booker, I mean, he, he was a dude last year, but now he is a specimen, right? And, you know, guys like, you know, Pacola, and, and Schaffer, and, and these are guys that have to be legitimate contributors for Stanford to be successful this year. And I guess to answer your question more directly, you hope that the weight gain, particularly on the defensive side of the ball on the line, translates to get more pressure on the quarterbacks because that's where it all starts. We all know the deal. You can get a pr pressure on opposing quarterbacks, especially without blitzing, you're going to have success defensively. And Stanford, everybody needs to do more of that, right? I mean, that's the, that's the goal across college football. But Stanford, certainly in that group, got to pressure the opposing quarterback. Yeah, yeah, got to pressure the quarterback and got to win at the line of scrimmage yeah. overall as yeah. well. Um, look, I go back a long time following this program. You do too, even back before me. And we've seen our share of great receivers with Stanford go through this program. I cannot remember a Stanford receiving core anywhere near as deep as this one and certainly the overall talent, probably the best potentially um, as well. Uh, that excites me the most about what this offense can do. What excites you most about the offensive side of the football right now? Yeah, oh, that has to be it, right? And I've said this uh, in interviews uh, that I believe, as you do, that this is the most talented top-to-bottom Stanford receiving core in school history. Uh, and, you know, I, I talked to uh, Yogi Roth from Pac-12 Networks, and he told me he thinks that Stanford SC are 1A and 1B in terms of receiving cores in the entire conference. So this is not lost on the outside world. Everybody expects big things. Um, it certainly helps when you got a guy uh, like Davis Mills chucking the rock around and, and is going to put it where it needs to be for these guys to make plays. So uh, couldn't be more excited about the receiving core. I am really, uh, really looking forward to see what this group of running backs can do because on the one hand, it is somewhat of an unknown. We saw Austin Jones last year. We saw a little bit of Nathaniel Pete, but Pete has packed on some pounds. He looks like a different kid now. Uh, Jones with a year under his belt now comes in as sort of the lead guy for the first time. Again, you never know till it plays out in front of your eyes, but I think there's a ton of upside with those two guys. And you hear Coach Shaw, you, you can't mention running backs without Coach Shaw saying, hey, don't forget about Justice Woods. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people did because he suffered that terrible knee injury in the spring game a couple of years ago. And, you know, we never got to see what he was all about. Well, now we will. And, and that doesn't even go into the two freshmen, you know, one of them named Smith. So uh, a lot to be excited about. And I'm really looking forward to see what the running game looks like behind this new offensive line and with these uh, new running backs uh, getting kind of primetime exposure for the first time. Offense, defense, special teams. Is there one under the radar guy for you on this squad that maybe isn't getting perhaps the hype that, that maybe he's earned to this point? Wow. Let's see. I, I think there are a lot of guys. I think, you know, one guy who I am hoping, hoping, hoping uh, is in that mold is Ethan Bonner. Uh, because again, you need good cornerback play and, 
Uh, he's a guy who, you know, injuries haven't seen him yet, but the coaching staff talking him up and, you know, I'm hoping that the hype is justified and that he is a guy who you can come to rely on as a solid guy uh, at one of the corner spots. Uh, Steven Heron is another guy who is on the depth chart, athletic freak coming out of high school and uh, still a young player in the program, got his feet wet a little bit last year, very under the radar, but I think there's upside there. Um, and, and I think the guy on the defensive side of the ball that maybe I'm most excited to see because we got to see him for about three minutes last year is Ricky Mieza, right? This is our starting mid middle linebacker next to Curtis Robinson, right? And, you know, it's such a great backstory with the lacrosse and coming in and at the last minute, you know, the recruitment was awesome. And now here he is. And last year would have played a ton, but he got hurt, missed the whole season. So I am, uh, again, really excited to see what he's all about. When it comes to this Saturday, why do I get the feeling that with all the oars on the Ducks depth chart, and with no home crowd at Autzen Stadium, that this might be the time and this might be the place for Stanford to get Oregon. I mean, look, Oregon is picked to win the North. Uh, they are who they are. They're a top 15 team. You know, you know that they're going to be, even if they don't win the North, you certainly expect they're going to be one of the top teams in the Pac-12. Um, so if you're going to get them, and certainly on the road, you want to do it with no fans and in week one. Right. I mean, this is this is the time and you can look at spreads and lines all you want. The bottom line is it's week one. We have no idea, no idea whatsoever. So I don't think it would really shock anybody if Stanford went in there and upset the Ducks. Now, that said, you know, it's not going to be easy. You know, they're going to attack the young corners. And, you know, this is a very, very good football team. And oh, by the way, you know, defensively, Oregon is just I mean, they are loaded. They are absolutely loaded. Uh, they got guys back. Uh, Lenore, Didi Lenore was going to opt out, and he decided to come back. That's sort of the equivalent of, of had Paulson Adebo said, hey, you know what, I'm going to play after all. I mean, it's, it's that big a deal for Oregon. So um, they lost some dudes on the offensive side and a couple on the defensive side, but they're so loaded defensively that I uh, can't wait to see what Stanford's offense, which should be as high-powered as any in the conference, can do against maybe the best defense it's going to see all year, right? It's entirely possible the best defense we will face the entire season will be this Saturday. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how Oregon's secondary can hold up, though, because yeah. certainly they, they've had some turnover. You mentioned Lenora coming back, but yep. they still lost Brady Breeze and a couple other guys to opt-outs, too. So yep. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Uh, what's your read overall? on the North with, with Oregon and Washington having so many question marks, Washington state as well. Oregon state appears to be on an upward trajectory and Cal's just sitting right there and Stanford in the mix too. What's, what's your initial read on the North here as, uh, as we uh, enter, enter week one? Yeah, really hard to handicap, really hard to handicap, which is fine. Cause honestly, I don't care to handicap it. Let's see how it plays out. Right. I don't need to know right now who the best, two or three teams are. I want to know once I see them play who the best two or three teams are. Um, you know, I think that uh, Washington State is probably in some trouble, um, you know, with coaching change and you know, everything, all the uh, turnover in Pullman, I think, you know, that, that's probably going to be a tall order for them to compete in the division. Um, but I think everybody else will have a say. You know, I think Oregon State, like you mentioned, is a team moving in the right direction. Um, Jonathan Smith has done a great job. They're buying in uh, and they've become a tough out, right? And that's always... The, the, it's not easy to go from a conference doormat to a, a, a you know, contender, right? And, and Stanford did it back from 06 and then Harbaugh came, but it took a few years. And one of those steps is, well, you get to a season where maybe you're four and seven, four and eight, but you're playing games close and you have a chance to win games. They did that. Okay. So the next step for them is winning those games and becoming a team that's better than 500 and competes. And I think this may be the year for them. Who knows? I think Cal is lying in the weeds. Nobody's talking about Cal as good as they were at the end of last year. Um, and they'll certainly have something to say about it. You know, they're going to be good defensively. And with Garber's back and Christopher Brown, who's just an absolute truck running the football. I mean, they have weapons there too. So, uh, you know, you know, you're, you know, Oregon's good. I think Stanford will be very good. And I think Washington is kind of an X factor because we're just not sure how they're going to uh, do with a new quarterback. And I don't think that they're sure what they're going to do with the quarterback position. But again, defensively, they're always terrific. And they've got Jimmy Lake calling the shots. So, you know, it's kind of a broad snapshot. Um, but the bottom line is, we just don't know. And that's what's so fascinating. All the X factors that are normally there, you can like magnify that by 10 with COVID and, and the intangibles and all the emotional stuff going on and everything else. So it's going to be fun. 
Yeah, I, I've never seen a four-man quarterback race like the one that we appear to be having up in Seattle right now. That's just, I mean, two, okay. Four, that's absolutely bonkers. I've never heard of anything like that. Well, that's they, that's they their say, problem. They, they say if you have two quarterbacks, you know, you, you have no quarterbacks, right? right? So if you have four, does that mean you have negative two? What does that mean? I, I, I was told there would be no math. I, I, I don't know about that. Uh, a couple last things here for you. Um, Game days this year won't be the same uh, without Todd Huzak by your side, will they? No, no. Um, yeah, look, Todd is phenomenal. Um, it, great guy, as you know. Uh, one of the best analysts that I've worked with uh, in any sport, and I've worked with a lot of them over the years. Um, yeah, he's terrific. Um, he's one of the all-time great players uh, you know, in Stanford football history. And, you know, I will, I will miss him. Now, that said... It's different with, with, with Platzi, and, and I love Platts, and I've worked with him on the hoop side for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Todd is the guy who will, you know, break down the zone defense that you're seeing, right? Uh, Todd is the guy that will give you just an incredible historical perspective uh, on everything that you see going on on the field, context, um, you know, tidbits, factoids, uh, just just lends, you know, you talk about a color commentator. I mean, he is that to a T, right? He lends that color to a broadcast. So, yeah, it'll be a little bit different. Um, but, you know, I'm certainly looking forward to uh, to working with John in the booth as opposed to having him downstairs. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, working with him up in the booth as opposed to being downstairs in courtside, which you two will be for Stanford men's basketball. That should be a lot of fun this season as well with all the things that are happening with that program, it seems. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited, really excited. And, and, you know, trying not to – with this whole COVID thing, you know, I, I couldn't let myself really feel the excitement about football until this week, until I kind of knew, okay, it's actually going to happen, right? Because the other, it just seems like you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop and games canceled and seasons canceled and everything else. So um, I, I'm, I'm not letting myself get caught up in the hoops hype yet because we still have three weeks, but I really, really like this team. Love the coach, uh, love the trajectory. Can't wait to see Zaire Williams and what he brings and, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I just uh, filling out my uh, my ballot for the uh, media, you know, the preseason poll right. and uh, and the pre uh, preseason all pack 12, you pick 15 guys for all conference, you know, and so I'm just in the process of doing all that. So it's getting real on the hoop side, too, which is great. I thought we were done with ballots this week. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a whole different thing. Uh, let's wrap it up on this. Um, your key for Stanford success this week against Oregon and your key for Stanford success for the entire season. Wow. You know, there's even just this week. I mean, how can you even how can you narrow it to one key? I mean, the matchup on both sides of the ball is fascinating. How will Stanford's young, you know, untested secondary to some extent? Obviously, you've got some veterans with Williamson and Antoine, who, by the way, very underrated safety tandem, I think, in the Pac-12. You know, how will they stand up against Oregon? But at the same time, I mean, you're talking about Justin Herbert. He's not there anymore. Right. (laughs) You know, so you're you're dealing with Tyler Shuck. And who, who, who I'm told in the Oregon circles, they think is a physical clone of Herbert, but throws a better deep ball and a little bit faster. And I'm like, <laughs> really? That's not good for anybody else. <laughs> but again, untested, we'll see how that plays out. So I think, you know, one key is going to be new quarterback against, you know, this Stanford uh, group of young corners, particularly who are untested. Um, and on the other side of the ball, it's, strength versus strength, right? I mean, it's this Stanford offense, which is going to be capable of, you know, should be able to put up points against anybody against an Oregon defense that should be able to slow down anybody, you know, so something's got to give. So, I mean, really, there are so many keys. It's such a fascinating matchup on both sides that it's just dripping with storylines. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Great way to start. I'm looking forward to it. I know you are as uh, Stanford about to kick off the 2020 season. Finally. And the guy who will be along for every single game along with John Platts in the radio booth, my man, Scott Reese. Scott, thanks a bunch. Always appreciate the time. Hey, I'll, I'll see you at Stanford Stadium on the 14th. How about that? We'll be there. Looking forward to it. The home opener will be fun when we actually got a game in front of us as opposed to Saturday where we're looking at a TV screen like this and trying to make it happen. And that's the other thing. Fans, please, you know, uh, give, give us, a, give us a, some, some cushion with the, uh, with the radio critique because we're calling a game off TV. We're not actually seeing it. It's going to be different this year. Yeah, I've, I've been there. Trust me. Not easy. So, yeah, right. a lot of leeway for me. I know the deal. Scott, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. All right. You got it, Troy.
There we go. Scott Reese joining us on this week's episode of the TreeCast. And yeah, in case you did not hear late last week, uh, Todd Huzak, the former Stanford quarterback and the color commentator for Stanford football radio broadcast since the 2008 season, announced that uh, he is not going to be in the booth this upcoming fall. So it's definitely got it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same, but I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing what the chemistry-rich duo of uh, Scott Reese and uh, John Platts have in store for the radio broadcasts this upcoming fall. Should be, uh, should be interesting. I think those guys are going to have a lot to talk about as the season goes along. Starting with the opponent, Oregon. And Stanford's been hit hard by opt-outs, especially with Walker Little and Paul Snadebo. Oregon was hit even harder. Uh, Panay Sewell. Probably the best offensive lineman in college football this fall decided to go, you know what, I'm going to get ready for the NFL draft as well. Can't blame him. I would have done the same thing. And also Oregon lost its best players in its secondary from last year due to opt-outs there. Their offensive line, looking at their organizational chart, they don't call it a depth chart, they call it an organizational chart up in Eugene, but, but, but looking at the organizational chart, their offensive line has Ors across the board at every position. So it's not one guy starting in the you know at left tackle. It's a left tackle if it's this guy or someone else. Left guard, this guy or someone else. Center, this guy or so. It's this. It's across the board at every position. Offensive line completely in flux for the Ducks. They've got a new quarterback with either Tyler Shuck or Anthony Brown. A new play caller is Joe Moorhead, as we talked about last week, comes from Mississippi State, their head coach there, and uh, brings his uh, up-tempo style of offense uh, up to Eugene as the offensive coordinator there. So there's a lot in flux for the Oregon Ducks right now. Now, their strength appears to be the run game with running back C.J. Verdell, who has had some moments against Stanford, I'm sure, that he would like to have back. But Verdell, starting, he's a very, very good back, one of the better running backs in the Pac-12. And three capable backups as well in Travis Dye or Cyrus Habibi Likio or Sean Dollars. So they've got a stable of four guys who can carry the rock uh, depending upon the situation. Now, I would have said that the Oregon Ducks running game would be the way for Oregon to win and to beat Stanford. Never mind their complete and total disarray personnel-wise on the offensive line, but I would have said that Oregon would, would need to run the ball to beat Stanford. Then I found out about Caillou Blue Kelly and his status being up in the air as I say this. Maybe when you hear this, there's more concrete information on uh, Caillou Blue Kelly and his availability for Stanford in the secondary this upcoming Saturday. That certainly throws a whole different layer of things um, into the matchups for this upcoming Saturday. But when it comes to the running game, don't forget, last year, Stanford did a good job against C.J. Verdell. 24 carries, 86 yards. His longest carry was just 11 yards, and that didn't come until the fourth quarter. Defense wasn't flawless against Oregon last year, but it certainly wasn't the problem. It certainly wasn't the reason why Stanford lost to Oregon 21-6 last year. It was pretty much lost when K.J. Costello hit his finger, on, banged his thumb on uh, Devery Hamilton's helmet. That pretty much submarined uh, any attempt of uh, Stanford having a downfield passing game that day. But defense, as awful as it had looked coming into that game, it wasn't the problem against the Ducks. Kayvon Thibodeau is a beast coming off the edge for the Ducks. Pac-12 freshman defensive player of the year, and uh, he is not to be trifled with. Stanford's going to get a big test on the offensive line right off the bat when they face that guy. Where's number five? Be on the lookout for him for the Oregon Ducks, one of the bigger uh, defensive playmakers you're going to have in the Pac-12 this year. Key player for Stanford to me right now, and, and Scott mentioned it. Look, there are so many different choices that you can go here, so many different ways you can go, but given how things look in the Stanford secondary right now, I got to go with Ethan Bonner and the starting cornerback TBD as I say this. And Bonner has had a bit of a road to get to this point. On Tuesday afternoon, David Shaw was asked for his thoughts on Ethan Bonner finally breaking into the grip uh, part, finally breaking into a uh, starting role for Stanford this year, and the road it took for him to get there. And I want to play his entire answer there because I find it pretty interesting. David Shaw on Ethan Bonner. Ethan's one of those guys. When we saw the film, 
And here's a guy that was fast, that was athletic, that got um, pass breakups. And um, you know, let's talk about what we're talking about. Uh, you know, here's a here's a a Caucasian corner um, that you don't see a lot. And so uh, this, we honestly believe that was one of the reasons why he was under recruited because um, his film was was as good as if not better than a lot of guys that we saw and we've been excited about about him and uh he got injured in high school got banged up again uh, a couple times here and every every time he was healthy um he was great in practice um so it, the big thing for for him was to be uh you know patient uh he's got a great support system at home he's got great support from us here um for him to come back and be healthy and really be excited about playing football and because it's been a long time for him um, battled through a bunch of injuries i think he's a lot tougher a lot older a lot smarter um and now after going through all these things uh, and and now ready to go out there and play some play some football um he is fast he's long he's athletic um, he's got good ball skills. Um, so we're, we're excited about him getting out there and, uh, you know, wish he would have gotten some more time last year. Um, but wishing doesn't help anybody. Um, this is our, this is where we are now. And, uh, I'm excited about him getting out there and, uh, and showing people what he can do. Yeah. Really intriguing stuff from uh, David Shaw on a lot of different levels there, uh, from Ethan Bonner and uh, hopefully he stays healthy this time around. And, uh, you know, hopefully that uh, he helps uh, get the job done for the Stanford secondary. Last Caucasian cornerback. In the, I, I can only think of Jason Seahorn, at least in the Pac-12 for USC back in the early 90s. But um, let, let's see what uh, let's see what uh, Ethan Bonner can do and whomever the other starting cornerback is uh, for Stanford. Be it Manley, be it Turner Muhammad. Um, if McGill slides over to that role, uh, whoever it is, I, I think that potentially is the key player uh, for Stanford on Saturday. Um, no predictions for me, and that's going to be my rule. Um, I kind of made this rule about a couple months ago or so. The year 2020 has knocked me out of the prediction business, and I don't expect to return to it until January at the very earliest. We'll see how things go there. So no predictions from me. Not doing those this fall. But here's how Stanford can win. One, play to its strengths, especially offensively. With that passing game, especially against a largely new Oregon secondary. Scott Reese seems higher on the Oregon defense uh, than I am. I mean, up front, okay, yeah, sure. But in that secondary, I think they can be gotten. I, I think that there are some potential holes in Oregon's secondary right now. Do they have talent? Yeah, probably sure. We think so. But we don't know that right now. The, or the Stanford wide receivers are a known quantity. And I think if Stanford can play to its strengths in that department – I think that'll be a big check mark in the Cardinals' favor. Two, they got to get six points instead of three points, especially early and especially on the road. This was a major problem for Stanford last year. They did fine in scoring on opening drives, but they only got touchdowns on a couple of occasions. Got to get six points instead of three. Number three, tackle the ball carrier. Pretty simple. We've hinted at this earlier in the show how tackling has been substandard for the most part in college football this year, leading to some, some boffo offensive numbers. Even in the SEC, SEC's got dudes who can tackle. Not this year. Stanford has to tackle the ball carrier no matter who he is. They did, they did fine against that against uh, C.J. Verdell last year. They need to keep it up against whoever has the rock. Running back, quarterback, wide receiver, doesn't matter. They have to tackle the ball carrier. And they got to take advantage of a crowdless Autzen Stadium. They have to. That's a big, big check mark, I think, potentially in Stanford's favor, especially one that, that, that relies offensively on as many things as Stanford does uh, this fall and relies on its offense to do so many great things. When you can hear on the road, man, that's, that, that, that's, that's heaven sent. <laughs> Coaches love that. What was it, Mike Price, the former head coach at Washington State? Yeah, he made no bones about it. He said all the time, I love coaching at Stanford Stadium. Don't have to worry about audibles. <laughs> you know, we're, we're cool all the way around in that respect. No crowd at Austin Stadium. Hopefully it won't be like that after this season. 
Stanford must take advantage. I think there are a lot of reasons to think that Stanford might have a better shot against Oregon than you might think, than many folks might think. We'll see. Looking forward to it. We're finally here. Thank goodness for game week. We will break it all down for you on the next episode of the TreeCast, which will likely come your way on Sunday, as you'll hear post-game press conferences, interviews, and such, and we'll break it down. It's what we do here on the TreeCast, and we do it better than anybody else, at least for Stanford football anyway. I think this is by far the best, the best Stanford football podcast out there, or your money back. Oh, wait, it's free. But obviously, if you've got thoughts on the show, on Stanford football, Hit me up with them. Best way to do it is via Twitter, hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast is the way to go to have your thoughts heard on and about this show and on Stanford football. Hey, subscribe, rate, and review the program. I always encourage you to do that. Um, no matter which uh, listening app you use to check, uh, to check us out uh, via Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and a few others I'm sure I'm not aware of at this point. Subscribe, rate, review, enjoy, and tell people about the show. We always appreciate you spreading the word about the TreeCast. And uh, hopefully we have a lot, whether we have great things or not to talk about, we'll have fun. I think that's certainly applied. I mean, look, we started this this show on the Believe Podcast Network uh, second week of March. And right after that first episode, a lot of things changed. But we've kept the show going every week since then. And some of the things, you know, we've had to talk about are pretty tough subjects. But we've had fun throughout, I think. And uh, no matter what the season brings, it might be weird. It might get very, very strange. But I promise you, we're, we're, we're going to try to have as much fun as possible bringing Stanford football to you. Thank goodness we're here for game week. Special thanks to our guest, Scott Reese. You can follow him on Twitter, at Stanford Voice. Also great to hear as well from Stanford head coach David Shaw, Stanford inside linebacker Curtis Robinson, and Stanford quarterback Davis Mills. Biggest thanks, of course, goes to out, out to you for checking us out on the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet, just as dumb as the person who does not wear a mask still. Mask it or casket. We'll talk to you on Sunday and wrap up everything we see from Stanford versus Oregon. Until then, talk to you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network.